Chapter Seventeen of The Search by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Seventeen. The weeks rolled by. The drilling went on. At last, word came that the company was to move farther toward the front. They prepared for a long hike, almost eagerly, not knowing yet what was before them anything was better than this intolerable waiting solemnly under a leaden sky they gathered sullenly they went through their inspection stolidly dully they marched away through the rain and mud and desolation the nights were cold and their clothes seemed thin and inadequate they had not been paid since they came over so there was no chance to buy any little comfort even if it had been for sale a longing for sweets and home puddings and pies haunted their waking hours as they trudged wearily hour after hour kilometre after kilometre coming ever nearer nearer for two days they hiked and then entrained for a long uncomfortable night and all the time cameron's soul was crying out within him for the living god in these days he read much in the little testament whenever there was a rest by the wayside and he could draw apart from the others ever his soul grew hungrier as he neared the front and knew his time now was short there were days when he had the feeling that he must stop tramping and do something about this great matter that hung over him and then wainwright would pass by and cast a sharp direction at him with a sneer in the curl of his moustache and all the fury of his being would rise up until he would clench his fists in helpless wrath as wainwright swaggered on to think how easily he could drag him in the dust if it only came to a fair fight between them but wainwright had all the advantage now with such a captain on his side that night ride was a terrible experience cameron with his thoughts surging and pounding through his brain was in no condition to come out of hardships fresh and fit he was overcome with weariness when he climbed into the box-car with thirty-nine other fellows just as weary just as discouraged just as homesick there was only room for about twenty to travel comfortably in that car but they cheerfully huddled together and took their turns sitting down and somewhere along in the night it came cameron's turn to slide down on the floor and stretch out for a while or perhaps his utter weariness made him drop there involuntarily because he could no longer keep awake for a few minutes the delicious ache of lying flat enveloped him and carried him away into unconsciousness with a lulling ecstasy then suddenly wainwright seemed to loom over him and demand that he rise and let him lie down in his place it seemed to cameron that the lethargy that had stolen over him as he fell asleep was like heavy bags of sand tied to his hands and feet he could not rise if he would he thought he tried to tell wainwright that he was unfair he was an officer and had better accommodations what need had he to come back here and steal a weary private's sleep but his lips refused to open and his throat gave out no sound wainwright seemed gradually stooping nearer nearer with a large soft hand about his throat and his little pig eyes gleaming like two points of green light his selfish mouth all pursed up as it used to be when the fellow stole his all-day sucker and held it tantalizingly above his reach one of his large cushiony knees was upon cameron's chest now and the breath was going from him he gasped and tried to shout to the other fellows that this was the time to do away with this tyrant this captain's pet but still only a croak would come from his lips 
with one mighty effort he wrenched his hands and feet into action and lunged up at the mighty bully above him struggling clutching wildly for his throat but with one thought in his dreaming brain to kill to kill sound came to his throat at last action to his sleeping body and struggling himself loose from the two comrades who had fallen asleep upon him and almost succeeded in smothering him he gave a hoarse yell and got to his feet they cursed and laughed at him and snuggled down good-naturedly to their broken slumbers again but cameron stood in his corner glaring out the tiny crack into the dark starless night that was whirling by startled into thoughtfulness the dream had been so vivid that he could not easily get rid of it his heart was boiling hot with rage at his old enemy yet something stronger was there too a great horror at himself he had been about to kill a fellow-creature to what pass had he come and somewhere out in that black wet night a sweet white face gleamed with brown hair blown about it and the midst of the storm in its locks it was as if her spirit had followed him and been present in that dream to shame him supposing the dream had been true and he had actually killed wainwright for he knew by the wild beating of his heart by the hotness of his wrath as he came awake that nothing would have stayed his hand if he had been placed in such a situation it was like a dream to hover over a poor worn tempest-tossed soul in that way and make itself verity demand that he should live it out again and again and face the future that would have followed such a set of circumstances he had to see ruth's sad stern face the sorrowful eyes full of tears the reproach the disappointment the alien lifting of her chin he knew her so well could so easily conjecture what her whole attitude would be he thought and then he must needs go on to think out once more just what relation there might be between his enemy and the girl he loved think it out more carefully than he had ever let himself do before all he knew about the two how their home grounds adjoined how their social set and standing and wealth was the same how they had often been seen together how wainwright had boasted all night he stood and thought it out glowering between the cracks of the car at the passing whirl differentiating through the blackness now and then a group of trees or buildings or a quick flash of furtive light but mainly darkness and monotony it was as if he were tied to the tail of a comet that dashed hellwards for a billion years so long the night extended till the dull gray dawn there was no god anywhere in that dark night he had forgotten about him entirely he was perhaps strongly conscious of the devil at his right hand they detrained and hiked across a bit of wet country that was all alike all mud in the dull light that grew only to accentuate the ugliness and dreariness of everything sunny france and this was sunny france at last they halted along a muddy roadside and lined up for what seemed an interminable age waiting for something no one knew what nor cared they were beyond caring most of them poor boys if their mothers had appeared with a bowl of bread and milk and called them to bed they would have wept in her arms with joy they stood apathetically and waited knowing that some time after another interminable age had passed the red tape necessary to move a large body like themselves would be unwound and everything go on again to another dreary halt somewhere would it ever be over the long long trail cameron stood with the rest in a daze of discouragement not taking the trouble to think any more 
His head was hot, and his chest felt heavy, reminding him of Wainwright's fat knee, and he had an ugly cough. Suddenly someone, a comrade, touched him on the shoulder. Come on in here, Cammy. You're all in. This is the Salvation Army hut. Cameron turned. Salvation Army. It sounded like the bells of heaven. Ah, it was something he could think back to, that little Salvation Army hut at camp. It brought the tears into his throat in a great lump. He lurched after his friend and dropped into the chair where he was pushed, sliding his arms out on the table before him and dropping his head quickly to hide his emotion. He couldn't think what was the matter with him. He seemed to be all giving way. He's all in, he heard the voice of his friend. I thought maybe you could do something for him. He's a good old sport. Then a gentle hand touched his shoulder, lightly, like his mother's hand. It thrilled him, and he lifted his bleared eyes and looked into the face of a kindly gray-haired woman. She was not a handsome woman, though none of the boys would ever let her be called homely, for they claimed her smile was so glorious that it gave her precedence in beauty to the greatest belle on earth. There was a real mother love light in her eyes now when she looked at Cameron, and she held a cup of steaming hot coffee in her hand real coffee with sugar and cream and a rich aroma that gave life to his sinking soul here son drink this she said holding the cup to his lips he opened his lips eagerly and then remembered and drew back no he said drawing away i forgot i haven't any money we're all dead broke he tried to pull himself together and look like a man but the coffee cup came close to his lips again, and the rough motherly hand stole about his shoulders to support him. That's all right, she said, in a low matter-of-fact tone. You don't need money here, son. You've got home, and I'm your mother tonight. Just drink this, and then come in there behind those boxes and lie down on my bed and get a wink of sleep. You'll be yourself again in a little while. That's it, son. You've hiked a long way. Now forget it and take comfort. So she soothed him till he surely must be dreaming again, and wondered which was real, or if perhaps he had a fever and hallucinations. He reached a furtive hand and felt of the pine table, and the chair on which he sat, to make sure he was awake, and then he looked into her kind gray eyes and smiled. She led him into the little improvised room behind the counter and tucked him up on her cot with a big warm blanket. That's all right now, son, she whispered don't you stir till you feel like it i'll look after you and your friend will let you know if there is any call for you you just rest he thanked her with his eyes too weary to speak a word and so he dropped into a blessed sleep when he awakened slowly to consciousness again there was a smell in the air of more coffee delicious coffee he wondered if it was the same cup and this only another brief phase of his own peculiar state Perhaps he had not been asleep at all, but had only closed his eyes and opened them again. But no, it was night, and there were candles lit beyond the barricade of boxes. He could see them flicker through the cracks, and shadows were falling here and there grotesquely on the bit of canvas that formed another wall. There was some other odor on the air, too. He sniffed delightedly like a little child, something sweet and alluring reminding one of the days when mother took the gingerbread and pies out of the oven no doughnuts that was it doughnuts not doughnuts just behind the trenches how could that be he stirred and raised up on one elbow to look about him there were two other cots in the room arranged neatly with folded blankets 
a box in between held a few simple toilet articles a tin basin and a bucket of water he eyed them greedily when had he had a good wash what luxury he dropped back on the cot and all at once became aware that there were strange sounds in the air above the building in which he lay strange and deep yet regular and with a certain booming monotony as if they had been going on a long time and he had been too preoccupied to take notice of them a queer frenzy seized his heart this then was the sound of battle in the distance he was here at the front at last and that was the sound of enemy shells how strange it seemed how it gripped the soul with the audacity of it all how terrible and yet how exciting to be here at last and yet he had an unready feeling something was still undone to prepare him for this ordeal it was his subconscious self that was crying out for god his material self had sensed the doughnuts that were frying so near to him and he looked up eagerly to welcome whoever was coming tiptoeing in to see if he was awake with a nice hot plate of them for him to eat he swung to a sitting posture and received them and the cup of hot chocolate that accompanied them with eagerness like a little child whose mother had promised them if he would be good strange how easy and natural it was to fall into the ways of this gracious household would one call it that it seemed so like a home while he was eating his buddy slipped in smiling excitedly great news cammy we've got a new captain and oh boy he's a peach he sat on our louis first off you ought to have seen poor old wainwright's face when he shut him up at the headquarters boy you'd a croaked it was rich cameron finished the last precious bite of his third hot doughnut with a gulp of joy what's become of words he asked anxiously canned i guess hazarded the private i did hear they took him to a sanitarium nervous breakdown they said i'll tell the world he'd had have one for fair if he'd stayed with this outfit much longer i only wish they'd have taken his little pet along with him this is no place for little harold and he'll find it out now he's got a real captain good night how do you suppose he ever got his commission anyway well how are you old top feelin better i knew they'd fix you up here they're reg'lar guys well i guess we better hit the hay come on i'll show you where your billet is i looked out for a place with a good watertight roof what do you think of the orchestra jerry is playin out there on the front some noise eh what say this little old hut is some good place to tie up to eh pard i've seen em before that's how i knew during the days that followed cameron spent most of his leisure time in the salvation army hut he did not hover about the victrola as he would probably have done several months before nor yet often join his voice in the ragtime song that was almost continuous at the piano regardless of nearby shells and usually accompanied by another tune on the victrola he did not hover around the cooks and seek to make himself needful to them there placing himself at the seat of supplies and handy when he was hungry as did many he sat at one of the far tables often writing letters or reading his little book or more often looking off into space seeing those last days at camp and the faces of his mother and ruth there was more than one reason why he spent much of his time here the hut was not frequented much by officers although they did come sometimes and were always welcomed but never deferred to wainwright would not be likely to be about and it was always a relief to feel free from the presence of his enemy but gradually a third reason came to play a prominent part in bringing him here and that was the atmosphere 
he somehow felt as if he were among real people who were living life earnestly as if the present were not all there was there came a day when they were to move on up to the actual front cameron wrote letters such as he had not dared to write before for he had found out that these women could get them to his people in case anything should happen to him and so he left a little letter for ruth and one for his mother and asked the woman with the gray eyes to get them back home somehow there was not much of moment in the letters even thus he dared not speak his heart for the iron of wainwright's poison had entered into his soul he had begun to think that perhaps in spite of all her friendliness ruth really belonged to another world not his world yet just her friendliness meant much to him in his great strait of loneliness he would take that much of her at least even if it could never be more he would leave a last word for her if behind his written words there was breaking heart and tender love she would never dream it if his soul was really taking another farewell of her what harm since he said no sad word yet it did him good to write these letters and feel a reasonable assurance that they would sometime reach their destination there was a meeting held that night in the hut he had never happened to attend one before although he had heard the boys say they enjoyed them one of his comrades asked him to stay and a quick glance told him the fellow needed him and had chosen him for moral support so cameron sat in a shadowy corner of the crowded room and listened to the singing wild and strong and with no hint of coming battle in its full rolling lilt he noted with satisfaction how the long long trail and pack up your troubles in your old kit bag gradually gave place to tell mother i'll be there and when the roll is called up yonder growing strong and full and solemn in the grand old melody of abide with me there were fellows there who but a few hours before had been shooting crap whose lips had been loud with cheerful curses now they sat and sang with all their hearts the hardiest of the lot it was a curious psychological study to watch them some of them were just as keen now on the religious side of their natures as they had been with their sport or their curses theirs were primitive natures easily wrought upon by the atmosphere of the moment easily impressed by the solemnity of the hour nearer perhaps to stopping to think about god and eternity than ever before in their lives but there were also others there thoughtful fellows who were strong and brave who had done their duty and borne their hardships with the best yet whose faces now were solemn with earnestness to whom this meeting meant a last sacrament before they passed to meet their test cameron felt his heart in perfect sympathy with the gathering and when the singing stopped for a few minutes and the clear voice of a young girl began to pray he bowed his head with a smart of tears in his eyes she was a girl who had just arrived that day and she reminded him of ruth she had pansy blue eyes and long gold ripples in her abundant hair it soothed him like a gentle hand on his heart to hear her speak those words of prayer to god praying for them all as if they were her own brothers praying as if she understood just how they felt this night before they went on their way she was so young and gently cared for this girl with her plain soldier's uniform and her fearlessness praying as composedly out there under fire as if she trusted perfectly that her heavenly father had control of everything and would do the best for them all what a wonderful girl or no was it perhaps a wonderful trust stay 
was it not perhaps a wonderful heavenly father and she had found him perhaps she could tell him the way and how he had missed it in his search with this thought in his mind he lingered as the most of the rest passed out and turning he noticed that the man who had come with him lingered also and edged up to the front where the lassie stood talking with a group of men then one of the group spoke up boldly say cap he addressed her almost reverently as if he had called her some queenly name instead of captain say cap i want to ask you a question some of those fellows that have preached to us have been telling us that if we go over there and don't come back it'll be all right with us just because we died fighting for liberty but we don't believe that dope why do you mean to tell me cap that if a fellow had been rotten all his life he gets saved just because he happened to get shot in a battle why some of us didn't even come over here to fight because we wanted to we had to we were drafted do you mean to tell me that makes it all right over here i can't see that at all and we want to know the truth you dope it out for us cap the young captain lassie slowly shook her head no just dying doesn't save you son there was a note of tenderness in that son as those salvation army lassies spoke it that put them infinitely above the common young girl as if some angelic touch had set them apart for their holy ministry it was as if god were using their lips and eyes and spirits to speak to these his children in their trying hour you see it's this way everybody has sinned and the penalty of sin is death you all know that her eyes searched their faces and appealed to the truth hidden in the depths of their souls they nodded those boys who were going out soon to face death they were willing to tell her that they acknowledged their sins they did not mind if they said it before each other they meant it now yes they were sinners and it was because they knew they were that they wanted to know what chances they stood in the other world but god loved us all so much that he wanted to make a way for us to escape the punishment went on the sweet steady voice seeming to bring the very love of the father down into their midst with its forceful convincing tone and so he sent his son jesus christ to take our place and die on the cross in our stead whoever is willing to accept his atonement may be saved and it's all up to us whether we will take it or not it isn't anything we can do or be it's just taking jesus as our saviour believing in him and taking him at his word cameron lingered and knelt with the rest when she prayed again for them and in his own heart he echoed the prayer of acceptance that others were putting up as he went out into the black night and later on the silent march through the dark he was turning it over in his mind it seemed to him the simplest the most sensible explanation of the plan of salvation he had ever heard he wondered if the minister at home knew all this and had meant it when he tried to explain but no that minister had not tried to explain he had told him he would grow into it and here he was perhaps almost at the end and he had not grown into it yet that young girl to-night had said it took only an instant to settle the whole thing and she looked as if her soul was resting on it why could he not get peace why could he not find god then out of the dark and into his thoughts came a curse and a sneer and a curt rebuke from wainwright and all his holy and beautiful thoughts fled he longed to lunge out of the dark and spring upon that fat flabby lieutenant and throttle him so in bitterness of spirit he marched out to face the foe 
End of chapter 17.